How do artists get paid in 2019? That's the number one question most people want to know. As part of our ongoing collaboration with Vortex Magazine, we interviewed a panel of artists and a panel of industry professionals about just this question. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rockstars. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, Merch Table partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit merchtable.com to learn more and open a store today. On today's episode, we discuss how to get paid. It's all coming up on the future of what. Support for the future of what comes from SoundExchange. You're listening to the future of what. I'm talking to Eli Howard, Scott Gilmore, and Sarah Vitort. Welcome, you guys, to the future of what. Hey, thank you for having us. Yeah, it's good to be for here. Us. Glad to have you. So, what I want to do is just have everybody go around. I'm going to start with you, Eli, and just tell me what you do. Your company is Brass Tacks. Yeah. What do you guys do? We're a country southern rock band from Malala, Oregon. Yeah. yeah. We've been playing together since 2014. Sweet. And. Just got back from, well, I, we didn't just got back. We've been back for like three months, but we went on a cross country, like 30 days. I think we did 20 dates, 8,000 miles. Whoa, I love it. Yeah. That's, that's working. <laughs> it was fun. It didn't seem like work to me. It was better than any day at work that I've ever had. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Sarah. Scott and I are both members of folk duo Fox and Bones. Mm-hmm. And we also spend a lot of time on the road and just got back from tour as well a couple of days ago. Yeah, we also put on uh, Portland's Folk Fest as well in, uh, in February. It's a <laughs> yearly event that we've been kind of getting the folk scene together around. That's awesome. Do you know my husband tried to start a Portland Folk Festival like 10 years ago? Oh, yeah. We should, yeah. We should have a meeting. You get, you yeah. guys should totally have a meeting. <laughs> Merge forces. It mm-hmm. felt like a thing that I was like, somebody has to have done this before. Like, it's just wide open. Yeah. And so we just went for it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we already talked to some business people in the first part of this roundtable about how people should get paid, how artists need to get paid. So you guys are actual artists. <laughs> so why don't you guys tell us a little bit? I mean, it's gotten harder in the music business to to get paid but you know there's a lot more ways to do it so why don't you tell us Eli I'm just gonna pick on you (laughs) oh no (laughs) (laughs) for your band like what do you guys you know I mean obviously you just got off a massive tour so touring is one way that people can make money and you know when you're doing that too you can't be too selective when you can't guarantee that you're gonna pull a crowd I mean there were nights where we didn't make a whole lot you know and Mm -hmm. I guess know when to draw the line is one thing and this is our, our first tour and we did oh wow did it about the most difficult way possible really <laughs> we didn't we'd never gone on like a week or two week blast or something we just first time we did it we went for a month oh wow but i love it that you say that you loved it because that means to me that you've got the true heart of a touring musician <laughs> i've done it once before in another band so i and it was a month then too yeah so it doesn't i knew kind of what to get myself into and i knew what to expect more so than a couple of the other guys that are also a little bit younger than me in the band. And Are you still a band, though? You haven't broken up? No. no okay, good. Uh, that's, we're, uh, passed the test. That's the important, that's honestly the important thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It does happen a lot. I think, honestly, keeping your band together is <laughs> yeah, right? it harder is. than getting paid. It is. <laughs> it's harder than getting paid. It's it's one of the hardest things, and people don't think about that. 30 days and five guys in a 15-passenger van, that van's like the size of a Yugo by the yeah. time you get home. Absolutely. That, that's a really important 
point. My husband did a tour once with, I think it was this band, Hella, or The Advantage, I can't remember. And they went down to California, and he was eating too much dairy. It turns oh, no. out he's lactose intolerant. Oh, no. And none of the windows in the van open. <laughs> oh. So the fact that any of those guys are still speaking to each other is like a miracle. Wow. They're bonded and, by the stench. By, <laughs> bonded by the stench. But seriously, that's the sort of stuff people don't talk about. It's like, you know, these are hard. It's a hard thing to do to tour. Biggest thing is you gain a whole new level of respect for your privacy because, you know, we're not a rich bands by any means. You know, we're a five-piece band and it's one hotel room every night. Oh, One yeah. vehicle you're traveling in and... I mean, if you want privacy, it's at the mercy of how far you want to walk by yourself. Or, I mean, we have one vehicle we travel in. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, about the only time you ever get any privacy is if you go to the bathroom or take a shower or something like that. And even then, there's four guys knocking on the door waiting for their turn <laughs> to go in there, too. So I love it. I love it. I used to love tour, too. It's my I love favorite. it. I do it again in a heartbeat. I'd do it again tomorrow right. if the dates were there. But, you know, we had to come back and recoil, too, you know. Me and a couple of the other guys have, you know, Quicken Loans isn't going to say, oh, yeah. hey, man, you can't, <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to make your house payment because you're going to be on tour. You know, we had to come back and regroup and realize that we have lives. <laughs> oh, yeah. Coming back is sometimes the hardest part. So how about for the two of you? You guys tour We a have a couple, a couple good tidbits. We spend maybe 10 months out of the year on the road. And one of the biggest things that you can do to get paid on the road is to be flexible. Oftentimes it can feel tough, but there's, there's, seven nights a week that you can play shows at. And so if you can put together between house shows, between bars, between bookstores, between kind of quieter venues, coffee shops or breweries or wineries. And if you're flexible and you can kind of move your music a little bit based on where you're playing, like if you're in a louder situation, you can kind of amp it up and play a little bit more dancey moving songs. And when you're in a quieter situation, if you can kind of tone it down and then you can fit into all those different gigs and then you can work every night of the week if you want to. Yeah, I think I've kind of taken on a lot of the booking for our tours, at least in the United States. And there's a couple tricks that I've learned. We've done three major U.S. tours and a couple smaller ones now, usually for two to three months at a time. And the first tour, I think it's really important that you be realistic when it's your first tour and not expect to make a bunch of money right out of the gate. You know, I think that you need to be in it for the love of the music. And it's absolutely important to get paid, but you do have to earn it. You have to earn your stripes and you've got to be able to prove that you can tour. And there's a tightness in your band that only comes from touring. And some of that is like the work that you put in before you get paid. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to know that like, like not everyone just deserves to get paid right out of the gate. You, ha you have to put in the work. Right. And so our first tour, we played shows for free where we were playing for tips. And, you know, after our first tour, I said, we're probably not going to do that as much unless it's a really great situation. And then you get to be discerning about sometimes people, you know, I have a minimum for our band, what we book. And sometimes people will hit that. Sometimes they'll say, we can't quite pay you that, but how about this with a couple drinks or we'll arrange your stay for the night, something like that. Oh, and so wow. being willing to negotiate on your bottom line as well. Again, it just goes with the flexibility, being flexible in the types of shows you play, but also how much you're willing to take for those shows. And you are doing most of the booking yourself. Yeah, Scott and I tackle that. We do have a booking agent when we're in Europe, but in the States, we're entirely self-booked. Wow, that's great. Now, what would you give? Because that's, I think, a very daunting thing for a lot of young artists is just trying to figure out how to do the booking part. It, because, I mean, I always booked our band's tours. And, you know, when I was managing bands, I would always book their tours, too. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. you just kind of have to dive in there on, at some level. But nowadays, like, what are tips for booking shows? 
So we started with an Excel spreadsheet and we made a list of all the places that we knew we had a free place to stay. So we started there and we made the outline of the tour there because that saves you a lot of money when you can stay with family or friends or whatever. And then from there, I think utilizing your network as a musician is really important. So reaching out to those friends and family, seeing if they would do a house show or if there's a favorite brewery that has music that they would recommend. So we usually start by consulting our network. And then my fun trick that I do now is just I see the route I see where there's open space and then I will type in best live music bars Savannah Georgia and I'll just reach out cold email every single person and sometimes send out like 20 to 50 emails a day and maybe get one or two back but if you do that daily all over the country you can put together a pretty hefty tour for yourself that's awesome do you ever do the thing where you look at other bands that are kind of similar to yours Mm -hmm. tour routing and then steal their I I screenshot (laughs) everybody's tour posters as well there you go that's how it was for us we knew the day we wanted to leave and we knew the day that we wanted to be on the east coast on a Saturday and we just filled in the blanks from there nice that's resourceful you guys that's good advice because I know that that's hard for a lot of people to figure out just how to get there you know how to get out of town (laughs) well actually the east coast one landed in our lap the guy a guy that owned a venue, because we'd already been to North and South Carolina once, he asked us if we wanted to play at his place on the coast in South Carolina. And we, you know, it just cost so much money for us to get there, especially if we didn't, because we didn't have a van or anything back then. So the first time we went to the East Coast, we flew there. And it was wow. an ungodly expensive trip. Oh, I'll bet. And while we were there, a guy asked if we wanted to play at his bar or his music venue, actually. And I didn't answer him. It was the end of the year. And he, it was like the third time he'd sent us an email and I didn't have an answer to give him. And he just said, hey, I'm following up on this one more time. And I said, actually, <laughs> now we do. Now we, we have a date in mind. And he, he said, oh, perfect. And we knew people over there. And he said, I'll, I'll pair you up with these guys. Wow, that's and great. I was just able to fill from, all right, so if I'm leaving this day in Oregon and I'm going to be here three weeks later, now I need to. <laughs> yeah, fill those in. Absolutely. I tried to do like every... F- three to five hours of drive and we'd have a show. Nice. Now, once you're on the road, okay, so you do your booking, you get yourself a tour. Once you get on the road, what do you do to make money on the road besides just what you get from the venue? We know you covered this in a previous episode, but merch is very important. So we don't want to be too redundant on that, but it really does put in at least half of our earnings on the road is selling either shirts or CDs or buttons or hats or, or anything. And, and and ideally you want something at every price point because so, someone, maybe someone only has $5, but they want to support and they want to bring something home that not only supports you, but also then they remember the show. They're like, I remember this moment and that kind of brings them back around. So maybe next time you come through town, they see this fridge magnet, they're like, oh yeah, I remember them. And so that kind of not only is just a way that people can support you, but also remind them that you exist. Yeah, (laughs) that's really smart to have something at every price point. Yeah, we definitely discovered that that was an important thing. We even give away free stickers if people follow one of our social media channels. And so there's even something at the free level. And accept any payments that people have, because some people mm-hmm. want to pay in different ways. Just make sure that you have, they, they have a card. Bitcoin, yeah, they have Bitcoin, they have Bitcoin any, PayPal. They wanna, yeah, just accept any, reader, any way. You have to have a square reader. Yes, absolutely. Do, do not go on the road without a square reader. And it's so funny because I remember when people didn't have square readers and that was just like not even a thing. It was like it right. had to be cash. And I mean, I don't know how long, long it's it's been now at least 10 years, 15 years even. It's like if you don't have a square reader, you're missing out on how many mm-hmm. sales. I mean, just yeah, so much. You really are. Nights like when we go to the East Coast, because we started again a following there, we did like one night $600 just on our square reader, not counting wow. how much cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just off shirt sales and stuff like that. And I think another thing that goes along with that being able to sell merch is be approachable. Like even if they haven't heard your music yet, if you're nice, they might want to stick around and listen to you or... 
like one of our, it was our third night of our tour. We were in Idaho and this guy, not only did he buy one of every single merch piece we had, like even the female stuff. <laughs> Gift. He, yes. then put a, he put a hundred dollars. He just handed us a hundred dollar bill too. And he said, oh, put wow. this in your gas tank. He says, I oh. love what you guys are doing. Oh my God. That's great. Yeah. Like you do find that people that you touch <laughs> in this way that, and then they're just generous. And I think it is a lot about like realizing that like, we're all people on the same level and that part of your job as an entertainer and a performer is to also is the offstage stuff Mm -hmm. and making those connections and, you know, sending out emails, you know, getting them on your email list and keeping in touch with them or keeping in touch with them on Facebook is really important. And just to add, as far as making money at shows, one thing that we've kind of added in, which isn't always possible, but we've decided to take song requests if people pay a certain amount of money, Nice, which has upped our tip game quite a bit at, longer shows it gives us a chance to learn some new material it gives people a chance to get excited about what we're doing and get engaged if they don't know our music already and are those requests for like popular songs that aren't yours or for your mm-hmm. own stuff? Oh, it, it, the, Both, actually, it runs again really but, and yeah we'll get songs that we've never heard and then we'll just kind of like try to struggle our way through it and it's almost like the more you mess up the more endearing it is like oh you're struggling you for me song. i requested yeah. this song that you're <laughs> playing horribly and there's something yeah. that's very yeah humanizing and endearing and it's like well we're we're we just want people to have fun and be entertained and and we don't mind cool embarrassing, embarrassing ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. That's great. Wow. That's a really good idea. I've, I haven't heard that one before. I like that. Just yeah. struggling through. Because I think a lot of mm-hmm. musicians are way too like, self-conscious to, you know, I mean, if they want to present something well, that's not a bad thing to want to like, you know, Absolutely. well, you paid me for it. Like, yeah. I might as well do it well. But it, there's like sort of a karaoke aspect mm-hmm. to that. That's like awesome. Bonds, bonds people together. It really totally. does. And it's good to play, you know. Like give at least a half hour of songs you know and do yeah. well. Yeah, so they're, sure. they're yeah. convinced that you're good because we've had yeah. some covers. People and like people will come in right as we're playing this horrible cover and oh, doing a really bad job, around. and I'm yeah. like, just oh, leave. Oh God, we're not sinking that guy, but Hit that's me, okay. Baby, one more time. I promise, I don't do this normally. I don't know. I think we'd kill that. <laughs> that sounds actually kind of awesome. Now I want to hear that. Okay, so those are some ways to make money on tour. And then, uh, like, so what else? Then you come home because at some point you have to be at home. Do you have, like, a mail order sales for your stuff? Or how do you sell your merch when you're home? You know, we do have the website set up and, and we can do sales through there. And that's that's definitely helpful. Most of our sales come through, I think, digital downloads or something like that. And a, a really a really helpful thing is making sure you're registered with a performing rights organization. Mm. Like we, we use ASCAP, but so you get your uh, ISRC codes and you can look that up. There's easy guides online on how to get those for your songs. And then they track your plays, whether it be on the radio and or anything like that. And you'd be surprised like where your songs might reach like you don't just because they're not in like a local atmosphere doesn't mean that they're not getting played in you know Taiwan or somewhere yeah we have like radios in Brazil playing our song like there was like 50 different countries that we didn't even know and I don't know how they got a hold of it but our (laughs) ASCAP checks are actually coming back and being like oh this is real money that we weren't expecting and before we had kind of registered through CD Baby and I would definitely urge people to like reach out to ASCAP directly, make sure you set up your own account, make sure that you're your own publisher because CD Baby will trick you into being the publisher and then they get a cut of all that stuff. If you set up your own publishing through ASCAP, then you retain all of the royalties to your songs. They're also found a really cool thing too, where you can register your set. So you're playing live. You can then say, because every time your song is played live, you get a cut and that includes yourself Mm -hmm. playing it. 
And so that's called ASCAP on stage. And mm -hmm. so after you, or while you're on tour, make sure on your ASCAP page, you can go to on stage, you can do add performance, and then you just add every single show. It'll ask you how long you played. You, you build a set list of all your songs. And then you just, I mean, it's, it's a pretty quick like day's work and you get paid to play your own songs. Yeah. And I've heard it's like 40 bucks per show that you get for just for that set list, you know, for putting that set list information in, which is worthwhile. I mean, that adds up if you're going to be on tour for it a while. It adds up. It really does. Sure. And, you know, it's always fun. We never know quite exactly when the pay schedules are. So we'll just get a direct deposit and be like, oh, I don't know Yay. what that was for. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, ASCAP. And of course, there's Sound Exchange. I'm sure you guys are all signed up with Sound Exchange. Are I we? think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> that pays you for the performance royalty for your online streams for okay. like SiriusXM, Pandora, the non interactive streaming. And then the new law, the MMA that just went into effect, mm -hmm. that's going to pay for Spotify streams for, on the publishing side. So since you've got yourself a oh. publishing company all set up, that's good because that'll you'll start getting a mandatory royalty for that, a compulsory oh, wow. royalty for that. So that's, that's nice. good news. It's very exciting. It is good news. It's coming coming down the line. So Yay. that's cool. Anything else you guys want to add as a way for people to get paid and something they should be thinking about, artists who are not already doing this? I think if I can just leave people with just a general tidbit is that you have to treat your music like a business. I hear a lot of artists say like, well, I'm just like, I'm an artist and I'm in it for the creative side. And I know we're not all naturally business-minded thinkers, but you just have to put on that hat and wear both hats. And, you know, there sometimes is a little bit of a sacrifice in creativity when you're in business mode, but you just really need to set aside time for each of those things and take it seriously and like research as much as possible and make it happen. You want to add anything to that? I like money just as much as everyone else. I like to be able to, you know, know that I had enough money that when I turn my faucet on at home, my water come out. But I don't, with music, I don't let it, money be what drives me. When I write a song or go out to play, it's not because of money. It's because I started playing guitar because it's fun. Mm -hmm. I started this band because it's fun. I don't want to treat my band members or my band like a business transaction. I want to have a relationship with them outside. When the gear's packed up in the trailer, I want them to know that we all care about one another. And I think that's really important too. If you think that starting a band or going on a tour is this winning lottery ticket, you're going to be very sourly mistaken. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. Did you guys yeah, hear it about be that? Fun for you. <laughs> Did you guys read about that threatened guy? Have you seen that whole internet? Uh, oh no, my god! Well, we don't have time to talk about <laughs> my album. One of my favorite artists is Jason Isbell, and he used to be in one of my favorite bands called the Drive By Truckers. And he was very young. He when he got in the band, he was in his early 20s, and they were in their 40s. And they went on this long tour. He was gone for like 90 days. And he was, you know, he's partying the whole time like a young kid. And when he got back, he asked Patterson Hood, am I getting paid for any of this? And he asked him this question that never, he said he never forgot it. He just asked, how much do you need? Which never crossed his mind. He just thought it was going to be this big cash cow at the end. And he said, what do you mean? What do I need? He says, well, you know, what do you feel like you're owed for this? Like, none of us are taking any money because we're still building this. We have to pay Mike Cooley, the guitar player, we're borrowing his wife's phone, so we have to pay that off. And he said by the time it was done, he asked for 12 bucks for each week because that's what it cost him to rent the amplifier he used for 90 days. Wow. So <laughs> yeah. There you have it. I mean, try to make money if you can, but don't let it just completely discourage you or don't let that be your reason for giving up is because you're not making money because yeah. mm -hmm. if that's what you think is going to make you happy playing music, you're never going to be happy playing music. Right. And I think, you know, especially nowadays, you know, chasing fame is completely different from wanting to be a musician. 
you know, there's lots of ways to get famous and you want to, 15 minutes. If you want to get on the news, you can, you know, run butt naked down the street if you exactly. want. Guaranteed someone will catch it on their phone. Totally. Put it on the news. But if you want to be a musician, it's hard work. Like you said, it's a business. You got to treat it like it's your job. Persistence, I think. Yeah. Just be can, persistent. keep every day, keep just get it. in the habit of, of working hard and, and trying to be nice and friendly and, and, and love what you do. And then, it, mm-hmm. and then you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. And be honest with yourself. Yeah, that's the hardest part. If you want to do something, you know, if if your goal is to be a millionaire, you have to be honest with yourself. All right, you know, I can't play seven-minute songs, you know, and exactly. you have to set, <laughs> I think, you have to make that attainable set goals for yourself that are, you know, yeah, that are honest to what you're trying to go after, you know. Exactly. And if you don't want a tour and you don't want, you know, you just want to play once a month with your buddies, then that's okay too. But don't yeah. pretend that you're not in a hobby band because that's a hobby. Right. That's something that you do on the side. If your goal when you pick up a guitar is to learn three chords and be able to play kumbaya in front of a campfire when your friends are drunk and you're doing that and you're happy, I mean, then you should feel fulfilled. I mean, right. if, that, if that was your goal and you attained it, <laughs> yeah, that should feel just as good as I want to sell out Wembley Arena and doing it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Be honest with yourself. Well, thank you guys so much. This was so nice to have you today on The Future of What. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Dark as the nighttime, close as you can, fierce as an animal with the hunger for expanse. You gotta love me as only a woman can. Seduction stitched in by hand, born with veracity, a seditionary trance. You got love me as only a woman can. You got love me all that I can see. Love me like a river runs through your hand Love me like the only thing it ever understand Speak to me in shadows, revealing night Be the fire that burns away the layers of my mind Love me like a river
the night time Close as you can Fierce as an animal With the hunger for expanse That was Love Me Like a River by Fox and Bones. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. When Kill Rockstars was looking for someone to take over our fulfillment operation, Merch Table stepped up to do the heavy lifting, moving our entire stock to their warehouse and helping us create merch our fans love. With Merch Table's support, we've been able to focus on the music and artists that matter to us. KRS loves Merch Table. See what they can do for your business at merchtable.com. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Dominic Schmidt, Jennifer Carrizzo, and Nicholas Harris. All right, you guys. So you guys are professionals, industry professionals, and we are going to try to help people who are getting started in the music business or who maybe have been in the music business for a little bit figure out how to make some money from their live shows. So who wants to get started with some advice to young people? Let's say you're, you have a band, you're practicing in your practice space, you've got a 40-minute set, you think you're ready to play out. What do you do? You start playing out there. Mm-hmm. You need to start developing a, as you said, you develop a set and you start developing relationships around putting live performances together. And usually that starts with getting together with friends, house parties, DIY type stuff. Plugging yourself into the local music scene, connecting with local talent buyers, submitting information, getting on shows, and just playing out and about. And that's going to be the starting point for anybody, and that's just the dirty work that everybody has to kind of start with, I think. Yeah, don't be afraid to go out and work and push yourselves and get your name out there. I highly suggest, you know, playing all the venues, getting your foot into all the doors out there, and just not being afraid to push yourselves and to meet people and to kind of be that squeaky wheel. I'm always grateful for the bands that are constantly emailing me. Hey, do you have anything for me? Do you have anything for me? Because eventually I will. Mm. Is there a preferred method of communication? Like, would you prefer to get an email with a link to some songs? Or Absolutely. do you want people walking up to you at the club being like, hi, email. I'm a brand new band? I do everything via email. I want that link. I want music. I want to know what you draw. I want to know what you're all about. And so just send me one concise email with all that information. So what do we say to bands who don't draw anything because they're brand new? I tell them to work. <laughs> they've they've got to start somewhere and they might not be ready for a crystal ballroom show, but we have smaller venues in town, White Eagle, Mississippi Studios, you know, start somewhere and start building that following. I work with a lot of bands from all around the world, but a lot of from Portland and my advice would definitely be yes, play a lot of shows, you know, work on your craft write good music obviously but also don't overplay your hometown mm. i would say go out and play even little towns in oregon drive up to seattle that's not such a long drive you can do that mm-hmm. i see a lot of bands to me like oversaturating their their hometown and then sometimes wondering why they're not guests coming or fans coming i think it's important if you are serious about your music career to play live and to play a lot, to work on this craft and especially out of town as well. And and don't be shy playing even a small coastal town or whatever. It's all about getting in front of people and becoming really professional about your live show, about being on stage, because it's a different experience than being in your rehearsal room and being out there. I think that's really important. 
And then I think we are now in 2018, soon in 2019. It has never been, to me, like easier being a band and creating a press kit. I always tell bands, you know, most of the bands who are starting, they only have a certain budget. Maybe you only have the budget to do like two songs in the studio. I would rather say do two songs than a full length, but make sure that you do like a video, do an EP, maybe like four songs, but at least like do a video or have someone film a live performance. Because like for me, I mean, I'm a booking agent and I'm, I'm getting emails every day from bands around the world. And for me, I don't need much actually to check out the band, you know, like I would need like a link, maybe SoundCloud link with your songs. And I would love some videos because then I get a feeling right away how you guys look on stage or yeah, to get a feeling of who the band is. And I think the video is the best content out there. When we book shows like all the venues in Europe, they want to see videos, you know, and no one has time anymore. So you want to make a really compact email that has maybe two or three video links and maybe one streaming link. I don't even care about your website anymore. I want to see the videos. I want to hear the music and send me maybe a Dropbox link to your photos and press text. I think you can get really far with not so much money, actually, if you spend it wise and on the right places. So let's spend a minute talking about live shows because I think... Like you said, Dominic, there's a huge difference between playing in your practice space and mm -hmm. playing a live show. And I think that the way that the economy is going these days, you know, we've been hearing in the media a lot about how bands are making most of their money actually from touring. Whether that's 100% true or not, we don't have to debate or worry about. But it's certainly true that at some point you need to develop a live show that is going to be compelling to people. And certainly you can listen to something on record that when you see it live is not at all the same. You know, it's just because you can play a song really well doesn't mean that you, it translates to live performance. So why don't you guys tell me a little bit about what makes a live performance good and what you're looking for, you know, and what people can strive to achieve. Well, I think that's probably have to approach that from a couple of different angles. I think that there's a subjective and an objective opinion on that. You know, I think... We all have our own tastes. We all have our own genre-specific preferences. And I think that the live show inhabits those different genres in, in their own unique ways. So I think, you know, an engaging hip-hop show is going to be a lot different than an engaging shoegaze indie rock show or something along those lines. And I think that's okay. They should be different. They should be, you know, relative to their own genre. And I, that said, I do think that there are objective truths about what is an engaging performance that goes across those those genres. So I think it's important for artists to kind of recognize the space they're looking to fill and what they're trying to be. You know, having an identity is really important. There's a million bands that sound like something else or that look like something else or there's just un I, you can't imagine how many bands there are these days. It's unbelievable. There's every day I'm inundated with dozens of new bands that I've never heard of and the vast majority of them are very much cut from the same cloth. They're mostly following maybe somebody other else's footsteps as far as a sound or a look that somebody else has kind of already came up with. The artists that you recognize that you can tell within a very short amount of time are going to be successful are the artists that have developed their own identity and recognize what that is and are comfortable in it and then can make their own moves based on that. Those are the people that are, you know, creating their own gravity is what we talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that is really important. You know, you need to have a distinguishing mark. Otherwise, you're going to get lost in a deluge of similar 
music. I like create your own gravity. I think that's yeah. a really good <laughs> term. I'm going to steal that. You know, I agree. It's a matter of trying to forge your own path and not recreate what someone else has done. The bands that have that performance, that's just, you stand there and you look at them and you're like, wow, I, I never thought that they would be like this live after hearing a record because they're not afraid to do something creative on stage or, you know, put themselves out there. And that's what I look for in artists is someone that's going to stand out and be unique to what everybody else is doing. I think there's also an element of being willing to take risks that artists need to really think about because, mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard a lot of young artists say to me like, oh, well, I don't want to play live until everything's perfect. And it's like, well, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Try playing live a bunch and then you're going to find out how Mm -hmm. close to perfect. Like, it's never perfect, right? I mean, you know, every night there's maybe technical issues. There's the house sounds different. It sounds different when it's empty. It sounds different when there's people in there. I mean, it's just never perfection, you know, is the enemy of like getting it done in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you you guys uh, said it all. I think, like, to me, like, live shows can be so different, you know, like a really uh, energetic live show maybe works for this one artist, but for the other artist, maybe it's all about that, you know, they don't even talk maybe to the crowd. And there will probably always be people who be like, well, weird, this artist didn't even say one thing, <laughs> but it might work with their unique persona. Right. And I think that that's so important because... As I said, like I, I'm getting emails every day and I couldn't agree more with what you said. There are so many bands who come off like their image and their sound of a band that's already existing. And I think it's so important to think about, okay, who am I as an artist? What am I trying to achieve? What do I want to say with my music? And really, I hope I can say this word now, but don't give a f- <laughs> <laughs> Because be yourself. That That's what really matters. And try to find your the thing you want to communicate that you want to like uh, that you have in you that you want to bring out right and I would completely agree with you but I would say don't be yourself if yourself is super boring <laughs> like if, if you just have nothing special about you it's like that's not helpful right like I, I think the best bands that are most compelling have like they create their own gravity but the, another way to put it is like they have a little mystery like any band that's ever put something out there where there was just like, I mean, do you guys remember the White Stripes? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like from the second they came on the scene, everyone was like, what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. they always wore red and white. Mm-hmm. Were they brother and sister? Were they husband and wife? Mm-hmm. Like what was happening? And it just, they had all this mystery on them and that created mm-hmm. such a story. Now, none of that would have gone anywhere if their music hadn't also been amazing, right? Yeah. Right. That totally helped. But it was like, you know, that I just remember that being such a great encapsulation of like, what makes a band exciting to just a huge number of people mm-hmm. is just being able to have like great music plus an amazingly interesting story where people just want to know more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Like it's more than just the music in the end mm-hmm. in your career. Right. And I mean, you have to think of it as your career too, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I do this podcast is because you know, this is for people who want to do this as a career. And also I'm, I'm constantly every single day trying to explain by having people like you guys on, that there are careers in the music industry and that this is something that we take seriously, that this pays our bills, like this pays my health insurance and puts food on my kid's table and stuff. You know, so like, this is not funny. This isn't just like my hobby. This is for real. Mm -hmm. And because it's for real, we as professionals really appreciate artists who are also professional and who want to make this their career. 
And because those people are, in addition to helping us all stay alive and have a livelihood, they like blow our minds, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like they make this seem so much more worth it than being an accountant in an office or whatever the other options we could possibly have for our jobs are. So it's important to us. It's important to them. So, you know, you get out there, you start playing, you do a whole bunch of shows. Let's hope you grow as an artist. You like get a stage show that's kind of compelling. I mean, I'm thinking locally in recent years, I remember one of the bands that always stood out in terms of having just right out of the box an amazing idea and live show is Shanti Darling. Mm-hmm. You know, backup dancers. Amazing. Like, what an idea. Like, that's free. Those are your friends, right? <laughs> like, there's so many things you can do, you know, that are actually easy to do if your thoughts about this are in the right place. The code won't crack If your cover was blown You do what you need To take what you already own Your praises were sung But the mute can't sing You do what you please And reply what arm could it bring no, I'm sweet when I say I don't mean to cry Don't mind me asking, but why the disguise? The conversation's increasingly cross When you ask, how much does that cost? Your phone won't whine If the king don't be Skin is crawling, crawling. Need his thumbs to scratch that itch. Oh, I'm sweet when I say I don't mean to cry. Don't mind me asking, but why the disguise? The conversations increasingly cause as I find long the money and time. Short on virtue and peace of mind.
That was Don't Mean to Pry by Horse Feathers. You're listening to The Future of What? After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Dominic Schmidt, Jennifer Carrizzo, and Nicholas Harris. So then let's say you build a following and then you start moving out of town a little bit and playing out of town, which is critical. I can't express enough how important it is that people do that because the thing is you have to think about this long term and it's like eventually you are going to tour, right? So why not start now and learn what that's like and Mm -hmm. have a sense of that? Plus it's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to get away, get out of town a little bit. Mm -hmm. But that is ultimately going to be very impressive to people when they see that you have played out of town. You know, if they just see that you play at the same bar once a month, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not as compelling. So then let's say you get to that level and you're, you know, starting to get some acclaim in the town. You've traveled a little bit out of the town. What are next steps? Because I know that artists are just really like not sure sometimes what to do next. What would you guys suggest? I think definitely network. Like, you know, know who's the talent buyer of venues, uh, who are the talent buyers, um, be out there, meet other people. Maybe you have already some songs in the video you want to send to labels and like just, you know, that they, they know your name at least. Maybe they don't sing yes right away, but like be out there, make sure, you know, like word of mouth is something so important too, you know, like if people know your name, like that can definitely help. Don't be shy about it. And then I think, as I said before, I think there are so many ways that don't cost a lot that really help you, like making a video. Like you don't have to do like a full production music video, but if you have a, let's say, cool show coming up at a really good venue with a good sound, find someone who's filming that live set, make a video, be active on social media. I know that's not everyone's thing, and but maybe you have a friend who would like to do that for you. Maybe you create a street team. Maybe you have some merch. There are many little things that you can do to present yourself and, and be out there. Merch is a good one. <laughs> Definitely. You know, I, I agree with the social media thing. I'm on social media all the time because I'm, I'm constantly looking at bands. And I know at Facebook and whatnot, it's sort of going away, but I use it. And the more you're on there promoting your band, the more I'm paying attention to you. So I think that's a big one. And word of mouth, networking is huge. I don't get out much. You know, when I am out, I'd love to meet people and, you know, I'd love to hear about your band or whatever it is, you know, that you've got going on. So that's, you know, I definitely agree with those two things as being something to focus on, you know, once you start getting that following and just keeping people in the loop of what you're doing, you know, don't post every once in a while about your next show, just get on there and and just make yourself relevant. Uh, that's sort of another place that personality can come through, right? Yeah, absolutely. And similar to your stage show, yeah. it's like have a personality. If you're really boring, make one up. Exactly. <laughs> be, be interesting. <laughs> it's a weird way to put it, I know. But And you guys have all touched on the notion of community, but I think that's also like we can't stress that enough that the artists need to have the first fans of artists are other artists, you know, if you're doing this right as a, as a rule. You need to have a community network. You need to have people who say, hey, come play this show. You know, come open for me. We're doing a show on whatever. And then eventually you reciprocate and all that and all that stuff happens. And, you know, that goes a long way in many ways and even in terms of like genres. I mean, in the hip hop world right now and has been for years, it's been extremely helpful to other artists when they guest on 
people's records on singles and stuff like that. And it's so funny because I talk all the time about metadata, but that's actually now in the sort of era of streaming, when you're guesting on someone else's song, it's like creates another way for you to be found, right? And because if someone listens to someone else's song and then they, they see that you guessed on it, then they go look at your stuff too. So, I mean, it's incredible. Like the web of connection and community is really is really critical. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I think you mentioned reciprocity. And I think that's something that I think often gets overlooked, especially when you're developing your kind of home base or you're developing your foundational group of fans. It should be your friends. And it should not just because your band is good. It's because you support their work or their art or their whatever they contribute to the community. And I think that's critical. I, I think you see most bands that you see succeed are the ones that rose to the top amongst their group of friends and colleagues in their scene Mm -hmm. you know scenes give birth to big groups that go on to do bigger things yeah and those scenes can only happen if people are engaged and and supportive and and actually out there supporting people and that's the easiest way to get a fan base is to be a fan and to be you know supportive and, and that reciprocity i think goes a really long way you know when you when you've established your foundational first orbit of community around a group you know those are the people you need to take with you forever you know those are the people that are going to be possessive of knowing about you and and turning other people on to you and that's something that goes a really long way and and taking care of those people are the people that are going to you know buoy you through however long the gestation process may be for your band to kind of develop so that's really important as far as content obviously you know content is king right now and curating content i think the digital native generation i think understands this better than than probably not to age everyone here but probably older folks like us not that old but slightly older folks like us for me it's i'm still very resistant to it even though it's the most critical form of marketing and and communication we have right now whereas a lot of the younger artists that we work with and represent they know already they're already curating their feeds and they're already curating content in a way that we take for granted or, or we don't even understand yet. And so that's really important. And so that means that they're not just musicians. They're also cinematographers. They're filmmakers. They're artists. They're editing their own stuff. They're putting together their own artwork. They're, you know, the, the younger artists that I know that are hungry, that are successful, have at least a few different arrows in their quiver when it comes to how do you reach people and how do you create access points through content to allow people to find out who you are, whether that's collaborations and features, whether that's creating shared content that includes other people that they can tag and share. And, you know, how do you create those things that feed a bunch of different people at once through content or creative output? That's the name of the game as far as laying the foundation that's going to allow you to grow as an entity or as a band. Totally. And I know as a record label that, I mean, we find more of our artists because our artists, other artists tell us about them. You know, they say, oh my God, we played with this band. You got to check them out. And that's what we would consider like a trusted recommendation. You know, I am definitely going to check it out if one of the bands that's already on my label thought it was great. Whereas just getting an email is not necessarily, you know, going to cause me to really listen to it. So what do you guys think about, it's really become common practice lately for artists to hire publicists you know, before they have a record label or anything, just on their own, just to publicize their own stuff. How do you guys feel about that? And at what point should a band do it if they're going to do it? Yeah, that's a good question for me because with my company, we are not only a booking company, a booking agency, we are also like a publicist. We are publicists. So I have a lot of bands that I worked with that didn't sign with a label, but we got them on really good European radios. 
because their songs were great. And we're in a time and age where you as a band, you can have your own account on CD Baby. They will distribute you in everywhere where you need to be. And if you have a good publicist who has good connections and knows what journalists, what radio people like, what sound, they can help you get a foot in the door in the radio. And I see this all the time. So I would say I want to speak mainly for Europe right now because this is like my territory where we do most of the work. I know that the radio works different in the US than in Europe. So we are able to get our artists that maybe are, haven't even like toured the US or don't have any big radio support here. We are able to get them on a national radio. What means you really get uh, royalties when they mm, play you. Yes. So we have all the radio infos from like the small little college radio up to the big national ones. And then obviously depends on the music style and depends on more factors if we can really open a very big door. But it happens. So I think it can be beneficial. I think it's important to also look, I mean, maybe certain music genres are not represented so much on radio. So if you work with a publicist, you want to make sure, okay, what is my music about? Is it maybe better to just hire someone for like online press and like go that route? Or do you really believe and see that your music has a potential for radio? Then it might be worth it to work with someone who helps you get into radio. Because in the end, for me, what I see over the last years, no matter with social media and everything, I think it's still about the marketing mix. On the more channels you are present, the better. Because the more chances are out there that people will hear your name. And there are people who use Facebook, then there is a younger generation who doesn't like Facebook at all, they only use Instagram. So looking at your demographics and getting an idea, okay, are my fans like, I don't know, from 14 to 70? Or maybe is the reality they're more like between 35 and, I don't know, 60? And then you can kind of address where you want to put your focus on in your marketing. And there are still a lot of people who listen to radio, but I think like there are a lot of people especially like a younger generation, for them radio is Spotify. So you want to be out there on as many channels as possible is what I would say. All right. So my last little piece is I want everybody to go around and, and give one sort of best practices thing that you would tell bands just in general. It doesn't have to be like targeted at any particular point at their career, but just like what's your one piece of advice if you could give bands advice? You know, I think it's really important for people to determine where they want to be in the vehicle of their career. And I talk about this a lot with our clients is that there are people that want to be in the backseat and not really know what's going on up front. There are people that want to be in the shotgun seat with a map out giving you directions. And there are people that do not want to let go of the steering wheel. And I think it's really important to find out who you are in relation to your career in order to determine then who you bring on or who is necessary to bring on to complement your own strengths. I'm very ambivalent right now about the bureaucracy of the live touring reality these days. And I think that there's a lot of managers and agents, and I can say this as a manager and agent, there's a lot of managers and agents out there that don't really contribute to the outcomes that I think most artists are looking for. And I think that a lot of artists are so checked out and are riding in the backseat of their own vehicle that they don't really know what's going on in their career. And that's fine. You know, if that's if that's who you are, then I think it's really critical that you find really strong management and an agency that can drive your ship for you. I think a lot of the artists that I find that we work well with are the artists that are much more engaged in the outcome and have a lot more say in how they want that direction to go, that are not just complacently waiting until they get the next check or email about what's, what they're going to do next. So I think it's really important to determine what it is that you fit into that 
you know, vehicle metaphor and then determining, you know, what are the necessary pieces to complement what you're already kind of doing and what, where you're already kind of heading. Because ultimately, you know, the creative process, no matter what, and all the the nonsense that happens in the music industry, and there's a lot, none of that contributes to the actual creative output, which makes new music, which if you're not doing that, then you're not going to be a musician or a professional, you know, you're not going to have a professional career. So I think there's a lot of stuff that gets caught up and, and there's a lot of energy spent on all of the stuff that happens around this that doesn't really nurture the muse, which is the basis of creative output from the beginning. So find out what that is for yourself and build the infrastructure that allows you to nurture that and to make that front and center. Because if you're chasing what your manager tells you to do or what the labels tell you to do, or if the bureaucracy is running your, your ship, then you're not going to be tied into the creative process and you're not going to create engaging music. For me, I mentioned it before. Don't be afraid to work, you know, and this is at any level, a band at any level from the beginning, you're just starting out to, you know, you're huge and you're playing stadiums. Like it's important to work. I, I worked artist management, many years ago in LA and I worked with bands that were willing to do the work and get on the phone and, you know, talk to that Argentine publication or, you know, whatever it was. And they worked. And then there were artists that didn't do the work. And I, I really saw the difference in what they were putting out. And so from any level, just don't be afraid to, to do the work and, and get yourself out there. Yeah, I cannot agree more with what you guys already said. I think in the end, when you decided to be a band and it's more than your hobby, then you probably need to accept the fact that you need like talent is one thing, but mindset is the other thing. And with mindset comes like accepting that maybe you don't have a manager. That means you have to do a lot of things that a manager in the, would normally do for you in the beginning. So be proactive, be out there. There are many ways how you can promote yourself, how you can get yourself out there these days, I think has never been so easy and even for free. So yeah, be proactive and, and do things and educate yourself. And if you don't know, ask, don't be afraid to ask. I think this is really important. If you feel stuck, there's so many people who could help you. And sometimes like, don't think that it's annoying when you call someone or so, you know, like if you ask for help, uh, maybe there are a few people who will say, sorry, I don't have time, but I, I'm sure there will be someone who gives you a little hint and that hint will open another door and then the next door. So yeah, proactive is what I would sum it up. Well, this is all really great advice. Thank you guys so much for being with me today on The Future of What. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're excited to announce our new podcast series about Bratmobile's Potty Mouth. It's called Girl Germs, and you can check it out wherever you get your podcasts. We're so cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're so cool, cool. We're so cool, yeah, yeah. You too, cool schmuck. 25 years ago, seminal riot girl band Bratmobile released their debut album, Potty Mouth. I'm sure he told you what we paid him for recording the record. One piece of pizza and one bottle of hair dye. Along with their contemporaries in Bikini Kill and Heavens to Betsy, Molly Newman, Allison Wolf, and Aaron Smith pushed the boundaries of music and politics, challenging ideas of who could play music and hold power on stage. These Riot Girl pioneers championed self-expression and visibility for women and girls in the scene, on and off stage. You know, that the models for being a, a woman musician, in my view, and my sort of like small world view then, like not really being a punker yet, 
was singer-songwriters and, you know, R&B performers and artists. Yeah, it was pretty political. Like, we thought it was important to have an all-girl band and to work with other women. I think it's important for young girls to be able to see kind of images of themselves or ideas of themselves to think that they can do it too. In the early 1990s, this underground feminist punk movement seems to have been just the right idea at just the right time. This whole idea of Riot Girl, it was so instantaneous. It was so, like, everyone was was in. So there was, you know, there were records being put out, there were shows, there was a girl night. It all happened within a kind of a matter of months, you know. And the media situation was, it was pretty intense. They emerged into my world like such a breath of fresh air. Not just a breath, but a hurricane of fresh air. On this podcast, Molly, Allison, and Aaron reflect on how the band got together, recording their first album, and the scene that inspired them. We'll also hear from their peers, journalists, and younger artists about Pottymouth's continuing legacy. All of those bands just like completely changed my life because all of a sudden I was like, these are people who look like me and, you know, maybe like sound like me and they are like outwardly identifying as like queer. I'm not saying it sounded easy, but it sounded like accessible in a way. It's like, oh, you can just do a band with just a guitar and drums. That's so cool. This is Girl Germs, a short podcast series from Kill Rock Stars. Subscribe to this show and find out more at killrockstars.com. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Fox and Bones, Horse Feathers, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rock Stars. See you next week. <laughs>